You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities. When we see one of two things cause the peak in the rise of market interest rates, that will be the time to load up the truck again on gold and gold stocks. But we, we, there's more pain to come between here and there. In today's show, you're going to be hearing from Chris Temple over at nationalinvestor.com. Chris is a frequent guest and has become a friend. Really enjoy reading his newsletter as he offers uh, a lot of investing ideas, both speculative and safer investments that I wouldn't ordinarily come across uh, in my own perusing for investments. And Chris does cover the junior mining and precious metal sector. And we're going to be talking about that today. I'm Bill Powers. This is Mining Stock Education. Thanks for tuning in. And Chris, thanks for joining me again today. Today. And a frequent discussion that I've been having both on the show and with friends the last three weeks has been if gold has bottomed or not. As you look at what the price action in gold and the GDX and GDXJ has been doing, do you think the gold bottom for this consolidation is behind us or is it still ahead of us? It's probably still ahead of us. Uh, as I've been explaining for a while, Bill, uh, a lot of people talk about markets being correlated and things like that. I don't know of two things that are joined more at the hip right now than the treasury market and the gold price. It's a trade which often in good times I've referred to as the odd couple trade because historically you don't expect the value of treasury bonds and gold to rise at the same time or as the case may be to fall at the same time. But that's what we've had more often than not frankly, since the financial crisis back in 2008. And it's especially true right now. And, and the close second has been the relationship, and in this case, inversely, between the rise in interest rates and the drop in the uh, NASDAQ that we've seen from time to time. And so my outlook for both gold and for tech stocks, which near term is bearish, is based completely almost on my view that we have not yet seen the peak in the market rise of interest rates. Uh, and because of that, gold is probably going to make new lows. Uh, the NASDAQ is, is vulnerable right now. As I said on another show that you and I discussed earlier, I said this yesterday morning, we're in a glorious time right now, in fact, uh, in many respects where you can be buying good stories, value stocks, and making money on the long side at the same time that you can short the tech stocks and the emerging markets right now and make money that way too, in my opinion. And that could go on for a number of weeks if things play out as I expect. So long-term, I'm still very bullish on gold for all the reasons why gold has been an asset to be in since 1971, when we started our current uh, uh, age of monopoly money, which has only gotten to be more ridiculous as, as each passing month and year goes on. But there are times that you've got to limit your exposure. And as I've done, I stick with individual companies, many of which are on my list, many of which are still buys long term. Some of them have actually bucked the uh, decline in the gold price itself. But what I do sometimes in addition to that, Bill, as you know, because again, you get my newsletter, is I add trading positions of ETFs, some of the leveraged ones, in fact, or some of the, the, the higher beta gold stocks that I'll get into and out of. And you know, I, I've pretty much timed it perfectly for a while now. We got out at the peak in February last year. And when everybody was saying as gold went above 2,000 an ounce last summer, and it's going to go to five, it's going to go to 10. That was when I was telling people to sell again. And uh, except for one brief aborted try to trade a dead cap bounce in gold last week, which I quickly pulled the plug on because yields just don't want to come down 
I said, okay, this is a fool's errand. I don't want to try and be cute and do this. You know, later on, when we see one of two things cause the peak in the rise in market interest rates, that will be the time to load up the truck again on gold and gold stocks. But we, we, there's more pain to come between here and there. So you don't even necessarily have a downside target for gold. You're just watching interest rates right now. I'm watching interest rates and I'm watching the Fed. One of two scenarios is going to cause the eventual peak in this rise for this particular time in long-term yields. It's going to be a market crash of everything else. That's going to cause a self-correcting rally for bonds and drop in yields when all of a sudden we reassess things and say, uh-oh, maybe we're not going to be off to the races. We just had another deflationary event like 2000, like 2008. And now the economy is just going to plot along. That will be bullish for gold when, when rates peak because of that. Or, and this is possible, even if things don't fall apart, but the rise in yields right now that the Federal Reserve, and I explained this on my website, that most investors still don't get this, that the Fed has made a conscious decision to not intervene right now because it wants long-term interest rates to go up for a variety of reasons. Right now, it serves their purposes in some ways, but there's going to come a point when it's too much. And so we're not going to hear any details about this tomorrow from the Fed when they conclude the, their two-day FOMC meeting, which now stands for Federal Open Mouth Committee, because they're going to talk us to death with a bunch of gobbledygook more so than usual. But at some point, when all of a sudden you see the, the market starting to rebel a bit more, and the rise in long-term yield starts to get dangerous and out of hand, and you start to see corporate spreads blow out and a lot of stuff like that. At that point, the Fed would have to come in, crash or no crash yet, and say, okay, this is it. Now we're going to come in with some kind of yield curve control, or we're going to cap long-term yields at a such and, and forget all the numbers about how much we're buying per month in treasuries and whatnot. There is no number. We're going to buy whatever we got to do to keep the 10-year note, let's say, from going above 2.4%. If we get, I don't think we can get that high, but just to throw that number out. Any of, either of those scenarios, when there is a definitive place where we've seen the peak for long-term yields, that will be your backup to truck time on gold. Will it be? At, will we circle the wagons and, and maybe make a double bottom at 1650 to 1675? Maybe, maybe not. There's a scenario we can go to 1450 on the gold price before that happens. That would be my utterly worst case scenario right now, but it would be short lived if that happens. And in the short term, you're bullish USD, is that correct? Very bullish on the dollar. The, the fundamentals between the US on the one hand and Europe, especially on the other, is widening. Uh, they're already in a panic in Europe saying, oh, look, Christine Lagarde said this several days ago, the president of the European Central Bank. Well, in the second quarter, we're going to buy, we're going to add to our QE. Uh, the Reserve Bank of Australia a week and a half or so ago already tried to surprise the market by adding to its QE program because they don't like yields going up there. The market ran over both of them. And the Fed's smart enough, at least at this point, to not come out and, and have them made fools of yet. So that time will come, and, and there will be a point at which the rise in long-term yields will no longer be tolerated. And when that time comes again, that's going to be your backup to truck time on gold, but we're not there yet. 
Trilogy Metals is a world-class developer in Alaska's Ambler Mining District. The company already possesses 8 billion pounds of high-grade copper, 3 billion pounds of zinc, over 1 million gold equivalent ounces, and over 77 million pounds of cobalt. Trilogy's Arctic project boasts an after-tax net present value of $1.4 billion with a 33% internal rate of return. Trilogy is led by an experienced management team with proven success in discovering and developing projects in Alaska. The company is well-capitalized has no debt, and possesses strong institutional support. Trilogy trades in New York and Toronto under the ticker TMQ. To learn more, go to TrilogyMetals.com. That's TrilogyMetals.com. Chris, about five, six months ago, I had a fund manager on the show, and the key thing that he said at that time was that over the next six months, he sees oil significantly outperforming gold. And I remember people criticizing him at the time, and I just shot him an email recently saying, boy, you were right on. You know, what's, what's your take on oil right now? Oil has surprised me. I got caught. I got left behind. I've, I've had a lot of successes. I think I'm up to like 17 individual stocks on my list that have doubled or more since Election Day. But only one of them is peripherally involved in oil. And I've just been AWOL when it came to that. You remember, because we talked about it at the time, that I, I talked about how we would even see the oil price go negative at one point last year. But the upside left me in the dust, I, I have to say. <laughs> um, I, I, um, I, I think that we're going to see oil correct finally because of the the fact that the dollar is going to rally, of course, further, I believe, and that we're seeing now uh, renewed lockdowns of economies in Europe. Uh, nobody is suggesting yet that that's imminently going to come to the U.S., but it won't shock me. And that's another thing we need to be watching, because we now have the administration in Washington that, as you know, is very totalitarian. It loves to uh, regulate, uh, regulate all of us half to death. And if there was any cause uh, for the Bidens and the Fauci's and the, the Senate Democrats and, and, and House Democrats of the world to try and have more controls of Americans' lives and scare us more so that they can pass more nonsense, they'll, they'll, we'll have the next wave or variant of the disease that we've got to worry about. Uh, I hope that's not true, and I'm not. That's not my base case for anything. Uh, but th that that all is going to rest for a little while, or at least pause oil's rise. But I will say this, and I did say this a year ago, even if I'd been out to lunch as far as trading it to this point. You know, the crash in production, it's it had the seeds in itself of this kind of rally that we've seen. And what's gonna be really interesting going forward because we've got a lot of people out there and not just oil, but with the copper, with a lot of different things, talking about how inflation is gonna be bubbling up in the months to come because of all of these shortages. It's gonna be really interesting to see how legitimate shortages of a lot of these things that are going to become in more demand now as the economy recovers some in the case of copper and some other metals. Lithium has done a 180 as far as its supply and demand fundamentals. You know, how much of those costs are is society, businesses, consumers really going to be able to absorb? Or is there going to be some point where, you know, either the immovable object of a debt-choked economy that can't really take a lot of price hikes, and what's the other op what's the thing the irresistible force of uh, shortages of these things causing price rises for a copper or oil? When do they meet and cancel one another out to where you don't have these rises anymore? If that, if that made any sense, and 
I, I didn't get everybody lost in there. No, well, I can just tell you, Chris, like real estate prices where I live, it's crazy what they've done in the last year since the COVID lockdown. Houses are selling for double what they did in 2015. Like I've been watching prices around here. Well, here, Bill, in Florida, there was a story a couple of weeks ago. They were interviewing a couple of realtors down in Palm Beach County, where the former president now resides, and certainly not because he's down there, but realtors literally are going door to door, knocking on million and multi-million dollar homes, asking people, would you, do you, would you please consider selling? Because I got people lined up at my office that want to buy. Palm Beach County in the last year is up 50%. Uh, real estate selling prices. It's just nutso. Now there's unique reasons down here for that too, but hey, I, I, I don't know where it stops. Um, the crazy thing right now, and you've heard me say this before, with a lot of the uh, asset, whether it's Bitcoin going up, whether it's all of this Reddit silliness, you take a borderline bankrupt company like GameStop, give it a bigger valuation and best buy and, and all the rest of this kind of thing. You know, this is the Fed's fault. The Fed was looked to a year ago when this whole pandemic started to make sure that we had liquidity. They didn't give us liquidity. They gave us a water park and it was idiocy. And now the Fed is wanting to let the markets work a little bit, hope that the markets will take care of some of this overvaluation without things getting out of hand. And if they do get out of hand, Chairman Powell has nobody to blame but himself, because this was a guy who correctly more than once has pointed out that the last two major market crashes and economic busts that we had were the Fed's fault in the first place for letting things get too hot. And now he's done that squared in, in the last year. Regarding energy, we've been talking about that. You linked to a video with uh, my former governor, Jennifer Granholm, who is the newly um, deputized secretary of energy for the Biden administration. And in that interview you linked to, I was watching it. She was very pro electrical vehicle, uh, you know, and that whole movement, that green movement. Do you think that she in particular is going to be able to make a significant um, impact on how quickly we adopt electrical vehicles around in the States here? I sure hope so, Bill, because as I commented in an email I sent out the other day, if, if Secretary Granholm, who number one is a Canadian by birth, so she has some respect more than the average U.S. policy wonk or administrator would for resources in general terms, and being the former governor of your state, industrial state, she has some regard for engineering and for industry and for labor and so forth. If she was the last word on all of this, I would be thrilled down to my toes. Uh, but unfortunately, she is not. And this is already something that a, a few dark clouds have come over the U.S. part of trying to get North America off of foreign sources of everything from rare earth element processing to lithium processing to a whole host of things for critical metals and whatnot. Because uh, since Joe Biden has been sworn in, uh, I'm not sure he knows he's been sworn in yet. I don't show. I don't know if he knows what day of the week it is. But unfortunately, he is so cognitively impaired, as everybody can plainly see, that he's more of an empty suit than the average president or politician is. And therefore, a lot of people have been able to get in positions of authority that are just flamethrowers that want to destroy anything and everything to do with free enterprise and with our culture. And it's taken us farther afield in this present thing. I won't get on that soapbox, but look, three times since he has been sworn in, major projects 
have suddenly been halted, all of them in a development phase, all of them, uh, I think, praised, though not by name necessarily, by Secretary Granholm last week as evidence that the U.S. finally needs to get its act together. And she didn't say it in these words, but continue what the Trump Department of Energy was already doing and make sure that we have within our own four walls the ability to control our own destiny, that we have our own EV supply chains, that everything from metals in the ground to processing to you name it, to the final production, that we control this. We can't continue to let China eat our lunch anymore. She said some extraordinarily powerful things. And at least in her case, she's smart and she's sincere. But number one, the Forest Service just pulled the plug on a resolution compromise in Arizona, a joint venture between BHP and Rio Tinto. Case two, the Thacker Pass Lithium Project that Lithium Americas has in Nevada, that is now to be halted. And a second look is being taken at that. Last but not least, in a company that you and I have discussed before, and I've been very close to this company for over 20 years, Polymet Mining up in the Iron Range of Minnesota which no sooner did they prevail in nuisance suits in both Minnesota Supreme Court and in federal court that now the EPA wants another bite at the apple for 90 days to see if there is a reason to deny them the water quality permit that has already been granted. So, you know, the Bible tells us that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. A double-minded country trying to put together an industrial policy is doomed if over here, we say that we want to do the things we need to do to control our own destiny and have a vibrant green economy going forward. But over here, however it's happened, you've allowed radicals to get into positions of power that, that sometimes for no other reason than to do it, they want to kill these kind of projects. And these are horrible people. They're hypocrites, Bill. I mean, these people don't want to see, uh, you know, extractive industries in our own country where we can do it safely and in an environmentally sound way and pay living wages to people who do it. But they don't want to be reminded that the the alternative that they benefit from now, the, the slaveholders of the 21st century, they don't care if some little black kids in, in the Congo, not even 10 years old yet are up to their armpits and mud and chemicals to get over there some of the metals that they need so that they can get on their smartphone and tell us how, all how woke that they are. I mean, this, this is idiocy. And someone, and hopefully Secretary Granholm takes the lead on this, we, we got to get our you-know-what together fast if we're going to be serious and not get completely run over in one of the biggest new – I mean, according to her, $20 trillion – globally over the next decade in the build out of a brand new component of the whole global economy. And we're going to have a few of these idiots that, that, that uh, uh, have seen our president knowingly, or maybe that didn't know, has allowed to get into these places. It's going to ruin it for the U.S. and we're going to circle the toilet bowl faster. I mean, uh, that, that's that's my rant for today. Chris, for our next interview, I want you to tell me what you really think, okay? <laughs> so last question before you go, um, regarding junior mining IPOs, okay? from For a retail investor looking at a junior mining IPO, what are the some of the things you look for and what are the some of the things you look out for? 
Well, you know, whether whatever it is, if it's a mining company, if it's a company that sells rivets or whatever it is, and this is a big mistake that people make today, it's it's a mistake that has been glorified by this latest Reddit craze, Bill, as you know. You need to look at buying a share of stock, or in this case, even if it's a pre-IPO, no differently than if you were interested in going into, let's say, the restaurant business, and there's a restaurant for sale down the street from you. All right. You think it's in a good area of town. You think you like what the menu is and so forth. Maybe you already have some ideas how you would change it. But are you going to go out and plunk a bunch of money down on that restaurant or for a share of it just on a lark or just because somebody said, hey, it's great or just because somebody tweeted about it and said that you're not fashionable if you don't do it? No, you're going to kick the tires. You're going to look at the financial statements. You're going to check out the management, see how good and smart they are and honest they are and so forth. In the cases you and I were talking about before we started recording of resources, you know, and, and we've both seen this. You've got over here some companies that have got great assets and great stories can build a business, but they have utterly no game plan for how to let people know about it. And they just sit and languish. I turned my back on one of those just recently, a company that I think has got great assets but it's basically a one-man show, and this guy has utterly no idea what he's doing. He's a good guy at what he's doing and building a company, but there's too many more powerful stories out there. And then on the other side of things, you have lifestyle companies, uh, as some call them, or you have companies that don't really have much in the way of substance, but they're all smoke and mirrors and bravado and stuff like that. And you've got to be careful of those as well. So really, you've got to look at all of the different moving parts on a case-by-case basis. Uh, the big one, of course, if you're talking about uh, a startup company, you know, what kind of money does the management have at stake in this thing? Do they have sweat equity where they're getting a bunch of options for their work? Or did they actually physically put money into the company? A lot of people don't even look at that distinction. They'll stop and see on, on the company's deck, you know, management has uh, 11%. All right, well, that sounds half decent. But how did they get that 11%? Okay, have they done this before? You know, is, is this a case with a couple of my favorite stories where I almost don't care what the assets are because I'm betting on a jockey, not the horse? And you've got management that time and again has shown that they can build value uh, with a project. So there's all different kinds of moving parts uh, to this. And But I do think, and let me say this, especially where it comes back to gold, as we talked about earlier, one of the very good things that has happened in the gold space in recent years, and guys like John Paulson have led the charge uh, where this is concerned, is that a lot of the silliness and excess from the existing gold companies has been wrung out. Uh, a lot of the a lot of the mergers that sh- that should never have happened at the market peaks and all these different kind of things, the big salaries, the options, and stuff like that. We've got a much healthier industry today than we did in times past. But that's still something, whatever companies you're looking at, gold or whatever it may be, you you look at how much money are they making? Are these actually businesses? Because it's more important than ever when you or I or our listeners look at these resource companies, understand, and especially where precious metals are concerned, that it doesn't matter what you think is a gold bug. It doesn't matter how excited you are. What's going to turn on to 99% of other investors out there who are generalist investors that don't have a religious affinity for gold or silver, as the case may be? What are they going to think? What is going to appeal to them? And a sound business and sound management 
not sexy stories with a lot of fluff is what's going to appeal to them. So I guess to sum it up, look at these companies, not as you would as a biased gold bug or somebody who just likes resources, nothing wrong with that because you and I both do, but look at it as if, if, a, if a JP Morgan analyst was here or, or an investment banker was looking at this or a high net worth investor that thinks, well, maybe it's time for me to get into you know, gold or uranium or whatever kind of thing it is. How are they going to look at this company? Excellent. Well, Chris, thank you for those insights. Chris's website, again, is nationalinvestor.com. Thanks for coming on the show today, and we'll be touching base with you again, Chris. My pleasure as always. Take care, Bill. Thank you for listening to Mining Stock Education. Please subscribe and share this show with like-minded investors. Connect with us at miningstockeducation.com and sign up for our email list to stay in touch. Much success to you as you learn about, invest in, and profit from mining stocks. The mining business is one that generates gigantic wealth. You know, a good drill hole that converts might cost fifty or $100,000, and it might discover something worth a couple billion. There is no sector that I know of that has offered up as many predictable circumstances uh, where there was the possibility, certainly not the certainty, but the possibility of 10 for 1 returns as there is in small cap and micro cap mining stocks concomitant with that if you don't do the work or even if you do do the work and don't discipline yourself on the sell side there are very few places in the world where you can lose as much money as quickly as in mining stocks too i just started to study up on mining stocks and i just became fascinated because this is such a tiny sector and it's so volatile that either you could really you could do really really well or you could pretty much get blown out of the water really quickly the mining sector is a very risky sector. It can take your money very, very quickly. Don't fall in love with stocks. Don't be overly confident. And just do your work as best you can. Do your very best. But don't fall in love and don't get too overly confident because um, that's a recipe for disaster. I have met you know, professional retail investors that have made a tremendous amount of money on the junior mining space. Some of them aren't accredited, and they just they spend their days researching, talking to people, being on the phone, being pouring through financial documents. But it requires commitment. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered personal legal or investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or any other product. We make every effort to be accurate, but the information presented is not to be considered infallible. It may contain errors and we offer no inferred or explicit warranty. If personal advice is needed, consult a qualified legal, tax, or investment professional. Do not base any investment decision on the information contained on MiningStockEducation.com, our podcasts, or videos. Make sure you always conduct your own thorough due diligence before investing. Realize that we may hold equity positions in or be compensated by some of the companies we feature and therefore are biased and hold an obvious conflict of interest. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website.